Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. Today, we're walking around the financial district in San Francisco, and we have no idea where we're going. Is this a public park? Yeah. Well, it says private property on it, but it feels public. Reporter Jessica Plachik and I are trying to find this old whaling ship called the Niantic. It's somewhere around the Transamerica Pyramid. So I'm nervous that we won't be able to find it. So imagine, if you were asked to search for a long-lost ship, you would probably think, okay, I guess, like, we'll need a submarine or some scuba gear, maybe some divers or something. But this ship is a little bit different. I feel like we're getting closer. Like, I feel like ship vibes. It's actually buried in the middle of San Francisco, way underground. Finally, after what felt like forever. Oh! We found the ship. Sight of the ship Niantic. Well, okay, so it wasn't actually the ship. It was this little plaque that marked where the ship once was, but you get the idea. Today on the podcast, we explore why are there buried ships under San Francisco? Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Our mission today, get to the bottom of San Francisco's buried ships. Reporter Jessica Placek takes it from here. So a whaling ship here in the middle of the city. But why? I talked to James Delgado. He's a maritime archaeologist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. San Francisco in 1848 was a small town of a few hundred, but the discovery of gold that year had a pretty big impact. Tons of ships were coming in, hundreds of them, and all types. There were fancy Mercedes-Benz kinds of ships, the Honda Civics of ships, and the old clunkers on their very last legs. And all of them laid anchor here in the bay. Contemporary observers often referred to it as a forest of masts. Once docked, many of these ships never set sail again. That's because they either sailed here on their final voyage 
or they had trouble leaving once sailors caught gold fever. There were large numbers of desertions, in some cases even officers. When ships landed, they had to dock offshore in deep water. To bring their goods to the city, they'd have to be slogged across half a mile of shallow, muddy water. You'd have to pay workers a lot to forget about their gold fever and move your stuff across the tidal flats. And on top of that, real estate was getting hot. It was so hot that the city started selling pieces of water, telling buyers they had to fill these lots with land. And in order to secure title, you would put a piece of real property on it. You could drive pilings and build a fence around it, but the easiest, cheapest way was to do that with a ship. Cheaper to sink a ship than to build a fence. Talk about a wild economy. And people were trying to claim land and water any way they could. It was like monopoly. Some folks took advantage of a law that said if your ship sunk, you had a right to the land under it as part of your salvage. So, in the dead of night, people would sail ships over valuable lots and conveniently lose them on the spot. Causing a lot of controversy. And so there were actual open wars. One guy got shot through the face, in one cheek and out the other, because he sunk ships in places that ticked off the wrong people. Ships were used in other ways, too. With the population ballooning, the city needed buildings. All told, some 200 ships were turned into floating buildings. Yeah, he said 200. It looked crazy. There are illustrations of it showing these ships, hulls fully intact, up in the mud with buildings emerging off the tops of their decks. The majority of them were used as store ships, basically warehouses. Others became hotels. Series of offices. Bars. Counting houses. Restaurants. Banks. Auction halls. The donut shop. And a church. Even the city jail moved onto a ship. As the city expanded out into the bay, many of the floating buildings found themselves surrounded by landfill and along streets. But the story doesn't end there. There was a series of fires. They leveled huge swaths of the city, incinerating the tops of the boats, but leaving the hulls buried underground. About 40 or 50 stayed behind. Uh, they remained firmly anchored in what now today is the financial district. The city forgot about the ships and built over them. Nowadays, we barely think about the hulks under our feet. That is, until we have to lay a new foundation or dig a fresh tunnel. Like when Muni was digging a light rail tunnel along the Embarcadero, they hit a ship. The Rome, a huge hulk that they literally had to tunnel through. And now, thousands of riders on the J, K, L, M, N, and T trains unknowingly ride through it every day. One cool thing about the ships is we don't exactly know how many are down there. It could be anywhere from 30 all the way up to 60. And one was found as recently as 2005. One fun fact, when they unearthed the Niantic in 1978, they found some unopened bottles of champagne down there. But don't get too excited. Salt and mud had worked their way through the cork, so the wine was not exactly the right kind of vintage. Thanks to reporter Jessica Plotchek for this week's story. Is there a question that's been simmering in your mind for a while? Send it our way at baycurious.org. While you're there, be sure to cast a ballot in this month's question voting round. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Find me on Twitter. I'm at O. Allen Price. 
Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.